one of the coaches um says that tension is the enemy of fast swimming so it's all, it's all about being relaxed and swimming fast and like you said with that kickboard drill that just gives you a chance to really reach your arm out in front of you and make sure it goes all the way under the kickboard before you pull and you realize how much length you're missing out in the front if you're just pulling straight down Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is Kay Melvilleton, who's just returned from Tokyo. Uh, you recently placed sixth in the 800 and the 1500 freestyle. So first of all, welcome back. Congratulations. And uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, thank you. It's a bit weird. Um... We were just talking before we started how you come from this big hive, being at your best in an Olympic village, and I'm now sitting in quarantine in a in a little room and can go on my balcony, and that's about it. So it's a bit of a weird feeling, but it's good. Yeah, I mean those those listening um, who aren't from Australia, uh, basically, every, anytime you come back into the country, you've got to quarantine for two weeks. So you're um, kind of stuck in a, a small room, but um, then you'll be free to, to go as you like, which would be nice. I'm sure you're looking forward to seeing your your family after what was probably one of the best experiences of your life yeah for sure i'm definitely looking forward to getting home um i think mum and my partner connor are eagerly waiting for me counting down the days so yeah i'm really looking forward to being home i've been away for about two months maybe a little bit longer so yeah definitely looking forward to being home and uh tell me about your about the racing over there so i mean you've raced com games where you had a crowd um you've raced world champs how did it compare to to that with very little crowd and um, without as much of the fanfare as um, as you would have had in previous competitions. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a weird feeling. We were kind of told before, you know, be aware there will be no crowd, there'll be no cheering. It definitely won't be as loud as what some of the other meets we've been to. But honestly, when you're walking out on pool deck, you don't don't even register that there's no crowd. You're so nervous and your heart rate's so high and you're so ready to race that you don't even notice what's going on. And by the end of the meet there were so many Aussies in the stands there were so many other countries in the stands the athletes were making so much noise so I think it really brought a good atmosphere to the pool obviously it was disappointing that not everyone could be there and I'm sure the Japanese would have loved to be there if the circumstances were different they loved their swimming and it would have been a really cool atmosphere but I think the athletes definitely made the best of what we could and what about in terms of the heats at night finals in the morning I know you've sort of prepared for that but how did that feel for you in terms of racing? Did it impact your performance? Was there anything noticeable on that front? Yeah, it was a bit of a struggle. I think across the board, obviously we had people some great morning swims, but across the board, the heats were super fast. It was taking mm. really, really fast times to make the final. I know in my eight, I snuck into the final seventh, going 8.20 and 8.18, ended up getting a bronze in the final in the morning. So. It was just really fast to get into those finals and it really put the pressure on in the heats, which makes it quite difficult when you're a distance swimmer doing that four to 1500 and you have to be in that top eight. So yeah, it was really fast in the heats and in the finals you'd have maybe top four would go faster and then top four would end up going slower um, just with that turnaround. But yeah, it definitely adds another element to it. Um, we, we did practice it and we did train for it. Our nationals was like that. We did our heats at night and our finals in the morning, but it definitely impacts it. But yeah, I mean, it just made the heat super fast at night. It just made it a lot harder to get into the finals. It was amazing watching the the heats because even, especially those events, even the ones that had semis as well, they were going so quick to to make the 
you know, to qualify for the semis that it's just like, well, this is almost like a final with how quick they're, they're going. And, and obviously no one wanted to, to miss out. And so they're all just going for it every single race. And it seemed really challenging to be able to build your, build your swims where you, you know, progressively get faster. I mean, um, we saw a couple of people do it. I think Kaylee was able to maybe do it in the 100 backstroke, but it um, looked very challenging to do for most people. Yeah, I don't think you realise at night you just get up and you swim fast anyway. Um, there's mm. not many people that can get up and swim at night at an Olympic heat and just cruise through. So everyone's kind of putting the pressure on anyway, and then I don't think you realise how fast you're swimming once you're in the race. So, yeah, it made for some really fast heat swims. And how about the – so from trials, you um, – leading into trials, were you expecting to make the team or was it something that you thought – that you know, if I swim well, I know I'm, I'm going to make it. How were you feeling leading into trials? Um, I'm fortunate enough to be ranked fairly highly across the 4, 8 and the 15. So I had a few shots at making the team. Um, there's so many girls that I'm competing against to make the team. I, I, it was kind of my goal to make the team. It definitely wasn't something that I could cruise through and just swim okay and then be on the team. I was had to be at my very, very best. And the 400, I was third at trials. And that kind of um, knocked me around a little bit. It was a PB, but to just miss the team on the first day, I had to get my head back in the game. And then obviously 1500, that was a tight race the whole way. And I just managed to get my hand on the wall before the other girl next to me and qualified in the 15. And then so by the time I got to the eight, I was so much more relaxed and all the pressure kind of came off and I was able to get in and some really good 800. So yeah, I definitely, it was definitely like a big goal of mine just to make the team. It wasn't like, oh, let's just go to trials, get on the team and then focus on the Olympics. The focus was probably definitely on trials. And then, was it four or six weeks in between trials and Olympics? Um, it was, was about it? five weeks, I think. About so I had five about a week at and... home, yeah. A week at home, and then, and then we got shipped up to Cairns. That's yeah. right. And, and how, was, how was that uh, preparing again? Do, do you prefer having a bigger gap in between, where we used to have like a couple of months between trials and then Olympics? Um, what do you think you're better suited to? Um, I think I've, I've signed well off both. I had a bit of... A, bit of trouble with this five-week turnaround at Worlds um, in 2019. I ended up not swimming very well at Worlds, and then the week later at a World Cup, I swam PBs in almost every single race. So, I mean, we had that to work off, and I think in that five-week period, you're not going to really build any fitness. You're not really going to build any strength. It's just about maintaining and getting back into a little bit of work and really resting. And as a distance swimmer, that can be quite hard to trust the process of resting um, to cut down on your case so much, but I mean, I swam well. I did big PBs at trials in the 800, and then to come back in and be right on that or very close to that at the Olympics, I mean, that's all you can ask for. Um, it's rare that someone gets up and does a big PB at the Olympics, so to be right on my best times after I just dropped again five weeks ago, I was pretty happy with it. Well, there's so much that goes into the Olympics, isn't there? Like, you've got the travel, you've got you're not staying at home or you're not staying in an environment that's probably as um, as comfortable as you used to there's different food there's so much other stuff that you've got to manage and do you feel like that's part of the reason why it is hard to hit pbs at a meet like the olympics yeah i think so i also think that being at the olympics it's not not so much necessarily on time i think you go to like trials or nationals and everyone's focused on pbs and swimming their own race whereas at an olympic it's it's just getting your hand on the wall in front of the person next to you no one really cares about what time they're swimming so especially in heats i kind of knew where i was sitting in the pool and was just making sure i was top three top four in my heats and then finals you just get in and you just race and you just race in the person next to you i don't think people are focused so much on 
times. Mm. And uh, and with your your racing, how did you you feel when you were there? Like the first the first race that you did, uh, which was the eight hundred. How did you feel in the heats? Did you feel like because you know, sometimes when you get to a meet, you have that first race. It's like, yep, I'm on, or it's like, oh, okay, I've got a little bit of work to do. You know, where were you at in that first one? Yeah, the first race was my fifteen hundred heat, so I don't do as much work for the fifteen hundred as I do for the eight. I kind of like get away with it a little bit nationally. I have a big distance background, so it's something that I've kind of just kept in my program, but it's something that I don't really necessarily focus on. So I got in, did the heat. Um, I think I just snuck under 16 minutes. I was kind of hoping to do a big PB. I thought that maybe it was like my time to do a PB. So that was a bit of a shock. But then to turn around and do another 1500 a, a day and a half later, that really took it out of me that I was, had 3K of racing before I got to my 800. And like I, like I said before, I couldn't just cruise a 1500 and be in the final. Like it was a max 1500 in the heats and then to get up and do it again. Um, so that was pretty hard. It was pretty hard to recover from that for the 800, but it is what it is, and a lot of people were in the same boat as me. So, And then to, to make the finals, was that a surprise to you? Or you were, um, yeah, how, what were you thinking going in? Because, I mean, I imagine it's pretty hard to kind of know where you're at internationally, especially over the last 18 months, right, when there's hardly any competitions and it's just you're kind of going in a little bit blind to what your competition's doing. Yeah, for sure. I think... The 1500 final, that was just an added bonus for me. I didn't really think I would make that. I knew the field would be super competitive. But like you said, we haven't had that many big international competitions. So a lot of those times that the girls had posted were from 2019. And obviously we were racing in 2021. So you don't really know where everyone's at. And then to sneak into the final, that was a huge added bonus. Um, I was in the outside lane for both my finals, which I don't like. And I kind of said to my coach after just wait till the day that I can get myself in one of the middle lanes where I can get in and race everyone. But I was just happy to make finals. Yeah, absolutely. And um, with uh, with the uh, like the the racing over there, I mean, it, it seemed as though with the crowd that um, I didn't know if they're putting in fake crowd noises or not on the TV because it sounded pretty loud. You know, what, watching on on TV. Was it was it fairly loud over there? Because I'm still I still don't know whether they've added the fake crowd noise like they do for the footy. Yeah, I don't know if they added fake noises or not, but it was actually pretty loud. The Americans had those little like blow up clappy things that you hit together, and the Russians had horns and cowbells, and you know everyone was cheering and yahooing. So there was a pretty good atmosphere for finals. Yeah, uh, that's um, that's awesome. And was it was it difficult? Um, like trying to sleep at night before the finals because yeah, you know, I would feel as though if you qualify a heat in the morning, you've got the day like yeah, you're nervous and you might want to try and go and have a nap and stuff. But then to be able to have to get up and you know try and sleep at night to and be ready for a final in the morning, to me I feel like I would get no sleep at all. How did you go at yeah, night? It's definitely difficult. I think us distance guys, we were in a little bit of a better boat because we do our heat at night. And then we'd have a whole day off and then the final would be the next morning. So we actually get two sleeps. But I know like, well, most of the team, they don't get that luxury of having two sleeps. And it's definitely hard to sleep at night when you're coming down from swimming so fast at night and you've got adrenaline, caffeine, and then you're trying to get in and recover knowing that you have to swim fast the next morning. You also have to be early, up early enough before you race. So yeah, there's a lot of different things that go into it. But yeah, it's definitely hard to wind down after a heat swim when it's that way. Yeah, I can imagine. And with the Olympics being postponed a year, do you feel like it helped you or hindered you with the extension? 
Um, I think I was I was in a very good spot in 2019 instead of 2020. I mean, I was training well and I was producing good times, but I think the the delaying of it might have actually helped me. I think I got a got a bit more of a confidence boost and a bit more of motivation um, to get get back in and train. I put all in this put put in all this hard work during quarantine, and I kind of thought, well, like I'm I've got to do this for a reason. I have to have something that motivates me and making the team was definitely that and I think doing all those extra things those dry land stuff and running and extra gym it, I think it definitely paid off in the long run for sure and it seemed as though the the team in terms of the Australian team got on really well it seemed like a, an amazing environment and culture to be a part of and um and yeah sometimes one or two people can make or break um, how a team you know, really sort of gels together. Um, but it seemed that way from the outside, and that's kind of what we heard being reported. Was that the case on, on the inside, that it, everyone that it was just a really great team to be a part of this year? Yeah, 100%. Um, this is probably one of the best teams I've been on. There's, I think everyone here is friends and everyone here gets along, and I think that makes a huge difference. Like you said, there's often individuals that can make or break a team environment, and we just didn't have that in that case. And it did make a huge difference. You come back from marshalling and it didn't matter if you'd won a gold medal or if you'd just done the heat and didn't make a final. Everyone was welcoming you back and everyone there had your back. And no matter what you were doing, if if you were in the village by yourself in the afternoon, you can send a message into our group chat and say, oh, does anyone want to come get dinner with me? And you'd have someone to walk you over to the dining hall. And you had just have someone around you all the time. And We've put a lot of effort into that in the past three years. The Our leaders, like our leadership group, has put a lot of effort into everyone getting along together and the support and the camaraderie between the group. And I just think it's really paid off. And obviously the public is starting to see it as like as we get a bit more results and they're starting to see that everyone's getting along really well and it's just a really good group. So I think that's something that's really positive for our sport moving forward as well. A quick note from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Form Swim Goggles. With these goggles, you don't have to look at the pace clock anymore or be one of those swimmers in the pool always grabbing for their watch. With Form Smart Swim Goggles, you can see all of your key metrics while you're swimming. Distance, pace, stroke rate, they've got it all. And the swim data is displayed on the goggle lens and you can customize the display to see the metrics that you want to. And I was worried that it was going to be distracting, but you can literally see through the display, the metrics are always there, but you have to choose to focus on them. It's really impressive. And it makes hitting intervals or any kind of specific training much more manageable and achievable. And the goggles track it all. It's automated. So from the time you start your session to the end of the swim, you don't have to press any buttons in between. It automatically tracks everything. Form also works with a bunch of the best pro athletes out there, including Lionel Sanders, Sarah Crowley, Hannah Wells, and Olympic champion Usama Maluli, to name a few. These form goggles are for all types of swimming too. One pair of goggles, and you can use them in the pool, the open water, you can use them in swim spas and endless pools too. So the same pair of goggles can be used in all of these different environments. The battery life is incredible too. One hour charge is 16 hours of swimming time battery life. And you can have the display on either your right or your left eye. The goggles themselves come with anti-fog solution that's used in dive masks. So it's great in terms of quality. And there's a protective case with a nifty drainage solution. So after you swim, you can store them safely. And while the goals connect to the Form Swim app on your smartphone too, they will sync with the Form app and there you can review all of the details of your swim and you can see what other swimmers are up to in the Form Swim community as well. I'm a big fan of these goggles. I was really impressed when I used them and I use them for a vast majority of the sessions that I'm currently doing. To find out more about the Form Swim goggles, go to formswim.com 
and you can use our coupon code effortless at checkout and save $15 off your order. Back to the podcast. And who's part of the leadership group? Is that swimmers or coaches or, or Yeah, both? so we have a swimmer leadership group. So that's made up of, I hope I don't forget anyone here, um, Bronte Campbell, Jess Hansen, Alex Graham, Mitch Larkin, Kate Campbell. So they get together, I think they said, like once every two or three weeks and sit down and discuss ways to help improve the team. And they just they spend a good amount of time while we're away making sure that everyone gets along. They put on like little things for us to do, like games nights and trivia shows and just making sure that everyone's, if you finish racing, you're up there supporting people and, you know, just making sure that everyone has each other's back and holding each other accountable. Yeah, that's great. Is it something that they've done in the past with that? They've had a leadership group of swimmers? Yeah, they've done it in the past, but I think over the past three years, they've just really highlighted how important it is and how much of a difference it makes on the team. And I think we really saw it it this year that when you have a good leadership group and that when everyone does get along it does make a huge difference on performance and once you get those performances you can just carry that momentum day after day after day and when you're doing a nine-day meet you want to get to that ninth day that final day of relays in the morning and have everyone in the stands cheering on those guys and I mean we had one of our best sessions in the pool that morning so I think that just goes to show yeah that was amazing watching that um how was it in the stands watching that stuff uh, watching that stuff live. Um, yeah, it was good. So I didn't get into the stands until I finished my 800 final and I ran straight back up into the stands and watched the rest of the finals for that day. And then obviously the last day of finals, Emma won her 53 and the girls won the medley relay. And I don't think I've ever ever screamed so loudly in my life watching Kate swim that 100 freestyle of that relay. And I was next to Bronte and she was grabbing me and we were just jumping up and down and everyone was jumping up and down and um, Arnie actually turned to me and said, I think I'm more nervous to watch the final than I was to swim my 400 free. So that just goes to show how much <laughs> we all care and support each other and just want everyone else to do well as well as ourselves. It was, um, I don't think I've ever screamed at the, at the TV <laughs> so much either. That was just, it was such an amazing race, the, the girls four by one medley. Yeah. And, um, and for like for Kate as well. And um, I remember hearing her on, on the, when she was interviewed, she said uh, she's a bit disappointed with her 50 and she said you find out who you are when the chips are down and it's like well all right and and she certainly showed that and i think the splits were like almost a second quicker the, the change over times were like a second quicker than the u.s team or close to it and um that's what got them over the line in the end which um which is unexpected really um, compared to the u.s team um, but just the the grit and determination that she showed in that last 50 was um was incredible to watch and I think there's so, there's quite a few races actually over the course of the last over the nine days that you'd you'd look it's very hard to put one over the other. There were so many um, great swims like that from um, from the Aussies. Yeah, for sure, and I think that just kind of summed up the Aussies in this whole meet. You know, like Kate came off the back of a disappointing fifty and then got in and did the hundred of her life and got those girls across the line. And I think that happened a lot during the meet. Um, MC bomb got a, an individual medal on her, in her fourth Olympics mm. and then stood on the podium and handed that me- handed the gold medal to Kaylee. And I think that just goes to show what our team's like. Um, Zach started cook swimming over everyone on the yeah. last 50 of the 200 breaststroke. Um, yeah, I think it just showed what Aussies are like in the pool. And yeah, it was just a really good meet for everyone. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and in terms of your, your training, so um, just a general overview of what you what a typical week would look like for you. Um, what what is it? How many swims? How many k's you're usually doing and dry land and that kind of stuff? 
Yeah, so I'm 10 swim sessions a week, so they're usually like two, maybe two and a half hours. Um, I don't, I rarely go over 70K a week these days. I used to do a lot more when I was younger, but we've kind of pulled it back a bit as I focus a bit more on my speed stuff. So 70 is about my max. I'd usually hover between 60 to 65K a week. Um, I'm in the gym three times a week, spin once or twice a week, a circuit once a week. Yeah, it ends up being a pretty big training week, but when when you're a distance swimmer, that's just how it is. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's really funny actually watching uh, like with the distance guys and, and middle distance swimmers. It's like you know you're, you're really there and you're, it's it's a it's a full on swim. And then I was watching the fifties on the last day um, and like watching some of the specialists. Like you've got Bruno and you've got um, like uh, de Joe. Crow to Jojo and, yeah. and some of those just 50 specialists that's all they do it's like as a as a middle to long distance swim myself it's just, I could not imagine just going to the pool for 20 21 seconds and um and that's it and that's all you're training for it just it was just it was funny watching that you know compared yeah. to to what you guys do yeah it's it's funny when you get talking to them as well and about their training and I train with <laughs> Cam McAvoy and he does 50 hundred so I see him get in the pool and then get out of the pool and I've still got my seven, six K session to go. But I mean, some of those guys that literally just do the 53, I think they swam about eight to 10 K for the whole week in the lead up to their 53. <laughs> and um, most of the distance guys would cover that in about a session. So yeah, it's a bit yeah. very different training, but obviously a lot of hard work goes into it for them too, especially out of the pool. Yeah, yeah, true. And I mean, there's got to be something that you really enjoy about distance swimming, being a distance swimmer. I mean, it's, I don't know, for me, when I'm, when I've been training well and training hard, like there's just, a, there's a real kick out of when you're fit and being able to hit your times and hit your paces and that, that feeling that you, you get, like, what is it, what is it for you that you like about it? No, no, I definitely agree with you. I know exactly what you're talking about when you can get in and swim those really fast times over and over again and you're just clicking like clocking them over and continuously hitting those fast times it's it's kind of a weird feeling and hard to describe but I definitely know what you're talking about I think there's that element to to it for me for sure but I also love doing things that others wouldn't be doing like I love getting these big sessions and being like oh yeah I can do that and knowing that like half the squad would be like there's no way I would ever do that if someone put that in front of me and I think it's a challenge that comes with being a distance swimmer that I enjoy for sure. Yeah, and is there is there some favourite sets that you have, or maybe some some of the hardest sets that you did in the lead up to the trials or to the Olympics that uh, stick um, in your mind? There's a few that we do all the time. So between trials and Olympics, we kind of repeated exactly what we did before trials, um, just so we could compare and we knew it would be the same kind of lead in. Um, we do a set that's two broken fifteen hundreds. So it was, it's a dive 300 on 4.30 and then 12 ones on, I think it's 1.30. Then we get a little bit of loose and jump out, put our suits on and do the exact same thing again. So two broken 1500s, that's a pretty big set. Um, we do 50s on, 50s on 40, trying to hit 800 pace. So that's like trying to hit 30 points on 40. Um, yeah, a lot of race specific work um, comes into it in those last five weeks. A lot of hundreds and fifties at pace. Yeah, and and I'm guessing in the like, further out from competition, are you doing some you know, just more sort of aerobic base sessions? Is it? And it's just yeah. as you get closer, you're starting to do more and more of those race pace ones. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, like the further we are out from competition, the more you get to like your 
your ten fours or your six eight hundreds descending rep times and things like that where you're just not not plodding up and down that's the wrong way to put it but um you're swimming at like a threshold pace for a very long period of time and you're just building this big base of fitness you have this big base and then when you get to the competition you're at like this tiny little peak of trying to hit race speed and race speed with good technique and that's what you all you're working on for the past five weeks but you have this big base of endurance work behind you and what are you hitting for that like your broken uh 1500 the 300 and then the, the 100s what paces you when you're swimming well where are you at um so the dive 300 we're trying to be under 310 so around 309 ish 308 yeah. is a is a pretty good um first 300 and then the hundreds i think maddie and i um a few of the sessions we were holding like 61s on the hundreds which is almost <laughs> yeah. getting down to about 800 pace but um <laughs> yeah i mean it's sessions like that that give you a bit of confidence when you're behind the blocks and you know like if i can yeah if I can hit 61s for the 3100s, then surely I can swim the 1500. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and what about technique? Is there um, is there anything that you've worked on in, over the past couple of years uh, with your stroke, or is there something recently that um, that you've been working on? And, and how do you go about working on your on your stroke? Because it's um, I mean, because you're doing so much training, it, it seems as though it's it's a lot about just thinking about it as you're as you're swimming and just like checking in every now and then and keeping it front of mind as you're as you're going through these sets so um yeah where is it for you in terms of technique what do you focus on yeah i think the the hardest thing when you're trying to fix technique is constantly being reminded of it and when you're a distance swimmer it's very easy to get in and swim your 7k session and not think and just kind of black out while you're swimming and not think about <laughs> it but um I, I do try to spend a lot of time focusing on my stroke um i have quite a long stroke compared to a lot of the distant swimmers in the pool they're they're quite choppy and short and spin their arms over and rate a bit higher but i tend to use the length of my stroke so that means i have to have a really high catch at the front of the stroke and i have to push through all the way at the back and i really struggle to maintain that in early season um, it takes a lot of strength and then as i rest i can really see the length come through but for me it's all about just having that high elbow and pulling the water at the very front of my catch and not letting that slip and then making sure I can hold that length all the way through my stroke. Are there any particular drills or uh, maybe dry land things that you do to help with it? Um, I love I love my single arm freestyle. It's very simple, but it makes a huge difference. Um, not only being in the catch position, but keeping your hips still, which is another huge thing for me, is not, not rotating my hips all over the place. Um, there's one where you have like a kickboard out in front of you and your hands are on top of the kickboard and again, single arm, but as your hand enters, your hand comes under the kickboard, so you can really feel yourself getting the full length. Um, I also do a lot of single arm butterfly as well, just for length and rhythm. Um, um, high elbow freestyle, just in that catch position, really letting myself relax over the top, which I think makes a huge difference in distance swimming. Um, if you can be relaxed when you're coming over the water, then you can use all this energy to pull and you're not wasting any extra energy. Yeah, so that last one, you're kicking on the side, you bring your arm through. Yeah, so it's just it's just a normal freestyle stroke, just a normal freestyle stroke, and then you're pausing in that catch position with your elbow up as high as you can, just letting yourself recover and relax and then flinging your arm forward. But it's just all about being relaxed in that recovery and as relaxed as possible, and then as soon as your hand hits the water for that catch, you're ready to go again. 
Yeah, that's good. It's something that um, like where I work a lot with um, with adults who have maybe been swimming for one or two years, and what we often see is they're very tense over the top, and so it's it's good to get them to. You know, it's called recovery because you want to be relaxed and recovering over the top of the water. So with yeah. the hand and forearm, you know, if you can just sort of switch that off and, and keep it loose, it's um, it can help you apply the power where it's actually necessary, which is under the water. So it's um, it's good to hear that. And I think with that kickboard drill you're talking about as well, um, with uh, with adults that we work with, often they're very short, like they don't almost like rotate forwards. They yeah. they just sort of pull straight through. So if you can get that length out the front, it makes a a big difference um, but I think the tendency is there to just want to enter the water and pull straight through because they think you've got to get straight into the propulsive part but you actually need that length out the front like you like you're talking about yeah for sure one of the coaches um says that tension is the enemy of fast swimming so it's all, it's all about being relaxed and swimming fast and like you said with that kickboard drill that just gives you a chance to really reach your arm out in front of you and make sure it goes all the way under the kickboard before you pull and you realize how much length you're missing out in the front if you're just pulling straight down i like that uh yeah the tension is the enemy of of fast swimming you say so it's 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 so true in like every sport isn't it it's like it's it's that very fine balance between like exerting yourself and working hard but being able to stay relaxed as you you do it and i think that's sort of going back to what we were talking about earlier about one of the appeals of say distance swimming it's like it's it's when you're right at that that limit where it's like you're almost at sort of top revs but you, you know you can just sit there and you can hold it and when you, you do a good session you've been you've been able to do it it's um there's something very peaceful about yeah. it as well um so it's yeah there's something to it <laughs> yeah it's it's weird i think it's um maybe it's similar to like a run and tie that they get when all the yeah. endorphins kick in but yeah like you said and there's something special about those sessions where you dive into the water and you just feel amazing and you can just keep pushing out these amazing times and reps and while feeling relaxed and yeah if you can do it while feeling relaxed it makes a huge difference and you've got quite a few good uh quite a few good swimmers in your your squad so how how many others from your squad made the team yeah so we had five olympians come out of tss which is a a pretty huge achievement i think I think St. Peter's got us by one, but that's all right. <laughs> to have five is pretty pretty huge. And, um, yeah, our coach, Chris, would have been pretty happy with that. Oh, I, can, I can imagine. And how long have you been at TSS for? Um, so I have been swimming at TSS since I was about nine or ten years old. I'm now 24. <laughs> so it's been a very long time, and I've moved up through the coaches there. And, it's yeah, it's it's been a great club for me, and I've really developed as a swimmer there. And Chris... I was there swimming as a young star in the 25-metre pool and Chris had his British boys over. He used to coach in Great Britain, so he'd bring these boys over and they'd go to school and swim out of TSS. So he's kind of been a part of my journey ever since I was young. Um, yeah, it's been really good to go to the Olympics with him and feel like it's been a long time coming for us. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and looking forward, so um, when you do get home, you're taking some time off and uh, and then getting back into it or what's the the next six to 12 months look like for you yeah um I'll, I'll definitely take some time off i think i need a bit of rest to bit of rest to try and recover and get my mind back into it um i know we have two weeks off here in quarantine but that's not quite the break that i would <laughs> break that i want so i'll Doesn't have some really time count. off and see family and friends and maybe go have a long weekend somewhere um yeah i haven't haven't planned anything yet but i would be definitely having some time off and then yeah, it's straight back into hard work. I think World Championships trials are in April, so we don't really have that much time. Um, 
yeah, it'll be straight back into hard work. Well, you've definitely uh, earned a break. So congratulations on your uh, your Olympic results and thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been um, great to hear it from the inside uh, because obviously all we've seen is, is from the TV basically. But um, just as in, it's, it's amazing to see the Aussies kind of back to where they were in the early 2000s with, with results and um, team spirit and all of that. So it's been, um, it's been great to see. So thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.